Good morning, folks. If you got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Psalms. Psalm 33. We're going to look at the whole Psalm, but we're going to read the 10th, 11th, and 12th verse together, and we're going to focus on the 12th verse. And I don't know about y'all, but anything we have, according to the Bible, all good things come from above, from our Heavenly Father. We don't win victories without him. Thank God for armies and for provisions and for men who are willing to die for a country. But many people die for their country and their country still lose. Because it's not just the sacrifice. It it took that sacrifice. But never think that it's the armies of America that gives us and wins us these freedoms and these victories that we have experienced as a nation. The reason we've been victorious is all because God in his grace has showed favor over our armies. And I want you to look, there's no psalm that doesn't remind you of this more than Psalm 33. And God kind of pulled this to my attention this week as I was praying and studying and kind of changed my direction. I was going to preach something different. But if you look with me here, blessed is the nation. The Bible says in Verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. And then it says, the verse I want us to look at this morning. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people of he has chosen as his own inheritance. Now, When it says Lord today, lots of people don't realize, but there's only one Lord. Jesus Christ is proclaimed as Lord in the New Testament. As the King of kings, the Lord of lords, there is no other. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. And I want you to notice in this text, in this passage, how many times it mentions the Lord. When you look up in the beginning of the psalm, The Bible says rejoice in the Lord. That's rejoice in Jesus, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him, him being Christ, with all an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. The Bible says that one of the primary things we're to be doing is we're to be rejoicing in our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be praising God. So anytime we come together as the people of God, one of the primary activities that ought to be among us is a people who are rejoicing in him because we are his righteous. That we ought to be praising him because we are the upright. And the Bible says, praise from the upright to the Lord is beautiful. Praise the Lord. And there's all kind of ways to praise him. Here it says with a heart, make a melody to him, a melody that honors him, that sings about him. Sing to him a new song and play skillfully with a shout of joy. Anytime we gather and we think about God and we make our focus on God, and this is the Lord's day, this is the Lord's house, we are the Lord's people, we preach it from the Lord's word, we ought to be praising him with joy and rejoicing because of who he is. And this psalm starts off with that. Why is that? Why is that? Because all blessings come from him. And I want to ask this this morning. Oh, Sam, I learned something from you, brother. (laughs) Has God blessed America? Do you think God's blessed America? 
Why? What would you say makes us different than any other nation? Because it didn't say God blesses America. It says God blesses what? Blessed is the nation whose Lord is, whose God is the Lord. And friends, there was a time when America's God was the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, you just look around and he did bless us. But I want to ask you this morning, these songs, God bless America, land that I love. Friends, remember that? You know where I learned that at? In school. And then there's this one, America, America. God shed his grace on the Friends, there was a time when Americans like us were so believing that God was the blessing source that they wrote songs like that. God bless America. God shed his grace on thee. Not only did they write those type songs, they were so popular, they became the very fabric of who we are, and they were accepted by all Americans to the point they were promoted in schools, and they were taught to everybody. And in my generation, not anybody never heard those songs, didn't know the words to those songs, because those songs was the heart of America for one generation. Some of us are fortunate enough to say we were lived in that generation. Some of us were at the tail end of that generation. But I want to ask you this morning, is that the generation that represents America today? Is the God that used to be still the same God that is Lord of America? Because I want you to think about this with me. The Bible says, blessed is the nations whose God is the Lord, not a Lord, the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own generation. Well, who does he choose? Well, it's all done by his sovereignty. And if you look with me in this text, you can see right quick. I don't know exactly what caused God to choose to save me more than the fact that by his grace, I got under conviction. I realized I was a sinner. I confessed and admitted it. I realized who he was. I put my hope and trust in him. There's a lot of people that say that, though, that have had knowledge of it, but it's not ever done anything to their heart. But the person who truly becomes saved and becomes a people who he has chosen as his inheritance, well, one of the things that is an overwhelming evidence that you know this Lord is who he is and what he done and what he represents is the fact that you will reference him, you'll fear him. Look at what it says in our text here. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Look at verse 13. The Lord looks from heaven and he sees all the sons of men. So God sees us all. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Every nation. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. God looks at every human being, every family, every church, every community, every city, every country. And he determines what he's going to do with them. And remember what he says. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what our opinion is. It doesn't matter what our plans are. He says he makes the plans of the people of no effect. And look at what he says in that verse right above there in verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart are to all generations. And then he says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Well, what what is the evidence that you are going to be picked, that you're going to get his attention? Well, look at verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. 
on those whose hope is in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Look at what he says. If you look right above there, look at verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And friends, I don't know about you, but he says right there that he says that he will keep them alive in famine. I don't know if you realize it yet, but we might still have food in our pantries and in our refrigerators. We might still have food in our bellies. I'm even having to be on a diet. We got so much food. But friends, we are in a spiritual famine like America has never seen. God has took away that which fulfills the heart, that satisfies the soul. And he has left multitudes of Americans with every blessing this world has to offer empty inside, searching and seeking through drugs and alcohol and entertainment and anything but him. And it hasn't blessed us. And friends, today, if you look here, this psalm is a picture of God's sovereignty, his his power in creation and history. Nothing was made that was not made except through him, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and everything that was made was made through him, John tells us. And everything is kept by him. It's sustained by him. It's, it's, it's kept by him. Look at what the psalm says after it says, starting off to praise him, to rejoice in him. Look at what he goes on and says in verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but the word of the Lord is right. If your word, what you believe in, what you promote, does not line up with what the Lord's word says, you're wrong. There's not multiple opinions. There's not truth is whatever you want it to be. Your truth can be what you want it to be, and my truth can be what you want it to be. No, there's only one truth. And it comes from the word of the Lord. And look at what he says right here. It says, for the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Look how many times it says the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord for the word of the Lord. Um, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And look at what it says when you get to verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Everything we see, everywhere we live, anywhere you can go, anything that this creation has to display as of the majesty of our creator was done by him, his word. The whole host, everything he filled it up with was spoken into existence. That's the God. That's where everyone's wanting to find out where we came from. Follow the science. We better follow the Lord. Oh, we came from this big explosion. If God wanted to use an explosion, he could, but God don't need an explosion. God speaks. From the breath of his mouth, we all exist. And friends, listen, not only is he the the sovereign creator of it all, he says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Friends, God put the oceans in the way he wants it. He created it exactly the way. And then it says, so let all the earth fear the Lord. 
Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he, look at this, he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. If God created the cosmos, the universe, the, the solar system, the earth, and us. I was reading this and studying this and I was in traffic the other day. And I was thinking, you know, we look at this and we complain about traffic. But to the Lord, we look like an anthill that's being kicked. Them ants are scurrying everywhere. That's what we are. Compared to him, we're like a bunch of little insects. But we're created in his image. And we are the highest order of his creation. So that makes us special. We are the ones who are the primary role players of history. Not the dogs, not the cats. I know some of you love dogs and cats and treat them like one of us. But they never will be us. Only those created in his image can bear the proof that God is in us. And I want you to look at this with me. Not only is God sovereign over creation, he made it all the way he wants it to be. He's keeping it exact the way he wants to keep it. And it's going to be here till he's through with it. This green, what's it called? All this in, oh, the, 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 we're getting, it was that we was going to freeze. Now we're getting hot. Now it's just, they just change it. But friends, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to end when God says it's going to end. He started it when he wanted to start it. He's kept it. Not only is he in charge of creation, though, he's in charge of every detail of history. You see, it's not the council of nations that stand it's the Lord's counsel that will stand forever. Our plans, he said, go to nothing. But his plans always accomplish what he wants. And I want you to look at what it says here. It says the Lord looks from heaven. I mean, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. It's the counsel of the Lord that stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations and blessed is the nation whose people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. And he fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. And then it says something that this is what got me to start studying this. And he says, but no king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. And a horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. How would that apply to us today? No president is saved by the multitude of his army or any leader. No army is delivered by their own strength. He says, neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. You know, America is blessed. But one of the things that America is greatly blessed by is being in our wars. If you can study and you read, we should have never, ever been able, a little 13 colonies <laughs> of some patriots, it never would have made sense that they would have been able to defeat England. The crown, your majesty's crown, the greatest army on the planet at that time. But 13 colonies fought against England. 
They were outshipped. They were outcannoned. They were outmanned. They were outgunned. They were out everything, but they wasn't out God. See, it was God's plan to put a place here like this. It was God who sent men over there to escape religious tyranny and to go. And friends, you can read, it's unbelievable the things that history tells us. But George Washington, there's some stories about him. You ever heard the story that the Indians told? He was on his horse. They was in the heat of battle. They shot, I forget how many horses. I mean, he had so many horses shot out from under him during the Revolutionary War, they quit counting. But none ever hit him. And friends, listen, by the grace of God, yes, we had men who called up a militia and armed themselves and went against King George and won our victory and gave us our freedom. But never forget that it was given to us by the favor of God. Friends, we have been here for 200 and some years, and there's only been one war fought on our native soil. And it was the one between us, the Civil War. No foreign countries ever stood and attacked us on our own property. What do you think that is? You think that's just because we're special? Do you think it's because we are better than China or Russia or Europe? Poor Europe's had World War I, World War II, and all the other kinds of between. Friends, we went to Korea. You know, until recently... I would have said, I would have always thought our war, our armies were invincible. But today I wonder if God's favor would still be on our armies the way they were when men who fought World War II, men like who stormed Normandy Beach. Have you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? That opening scene, that first five minutes is horrific. It'll just shock you. That's just television, realistic television, I would say. But can you imagine what it was like to be one of those young boys? The average age was 18. Our grandson, David Levi, just turned 18 last week. The average age was 18. And they rushed those boats up on that shore, and they rushed into those machine gun boxes and those mortars and that set in, fortified German army, and they ran one after another. And multitudes gave their life to But never think it was not the amount of army we had. It was not, yes, with the great sacrifice, but always remember God gave us victory. Everyone who I've ever read, I'm a, I'm a history buff. I like reading. The Nazis, they out they had better guns, they had stronger tanks, they had better resources. There's many battles where we should have lost. Battle of the Bulge, we should have never won. But men like Patton and generals that we read about, and we, we, we now look to them as heroes, but God used them. And one thing I always remember about Patton, Patton said something. How many of you have ever seen the movie George Patton with George C. Scott? Man, that's, everybody needs to watch that one at least three times if you're an American. But he, he literally almost became Patton to me as a little boy. But he said something in the beginning. He said, you don't win a war by dying for your country. You win a war by laying to you know what, die for his country. <laughs> and you see these wars that we won, apparently more people died for the countries we defeated than ours. So that's not what gave us the victories. 
I want you to see something here from the Word of God. Hold your place. We're coming back. Turn with me just a few psalms over to Psalm 44. And how many of you love to hear the stories from our great-greats, our great-grandparents, and the things about how the Lord blessed America and the things he'd done? Well, Israel was the same way. And look at what it says in verse 1. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in the days of old. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I love to read about how God gave us the Revolutionary War victory and how he upheld us and he, he gave us favor one time over another. Look at what he says in verse 2. See, they realize it was not by the 12 tribes and the mighty men that fought for them of Israel. He says, you drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out. He's talking about when they went into the promised land. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword. He said, we didn't gain possession of the land by our own sword. Nor did they, the Israelites of that generation, nor did they by their own arm save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, in the light of your countenance because you favored them. Never forget every man who's ever died for a war in America that sacrifice, as great as it is, as much as we ought to remember it, none of them won that war without the favor. It wasn't their strength. It was God's. It wasn't by their hand or their arm. It was by God's favor that we're here today. And I look about the Americans that I see. I'd hate to know that we was dependent on the average 18-year-old today to go to a foreign land and win our freedom. Not only would they not get out of the little PT boat and hit the beach, they'd never get in the army to begin with, most of them. And if they did go, they'd, they ain't men. At 18, back in them days, them boys were men. Today, we got them 20 years, 40 years old, and can't get out of the house and take care of themselves and make their own living. But you think they're going to go and win a war for us today? I'm just here to be real this morning. It's even more of a reason to celebrate those who's gone before us and fought like men and died like men for the glory and for the hope of a place called America. But today, I'm like, man, and I'm going to be honest about myself. I got to thinking I wouldn't want to send David to fight a war for a country that don't even stand and glorify the flag anymore. Friend, if we don't even honor the flag... Do you think we honor the King of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ? And friends, look at what he goes on and says in this text. He says, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arms save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, O God, in the light of your countenance, because you favored them. Look at what verse 4 says. You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. He's saying, Lord, you're my king. Command victories for Israel. Through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall I my sword save me. He said, I'm not trusting in my AR-15. <laughs> I'm trusting in God. I'm not going to trust in my weapons and my, my ammunition. He says, it's you. You shall save me. Verse 7, but you have saved us from our enemies 
and have put to shame those who hated us. In God, we boast all day long and we praise your name forever, Shelah, because I'm telling you what, there was a time when, yes, we believed that God gave us our victory. God kept us as a nation. God, today we can't even secure our own borders. And you may not believe this today, but there's an army. There is someone right now invading America that I fear is going to do more damage than ever any other foreign nation ever did to us with their armies. And they live right here on our own soil and our own stupid leaders are letting them in. And they're not all just, some of them are just poor people looking for a better life. But vast majorities of them are terrorists with ideologies that hate us, that will never battle our flag, that will do everything possible to destroy everything we stand and believe in. They don't worship our God. They worship gods by the name of Allah. And they worship gods by the name of Satan. And they live for themselves and they don't care about everybody else and it's all about what they want and we're letting them in by the millions only God knows how many would stand against us on our own soul back in World War II I love the story about how the Japanese after Pearl Harbor and that great victory boy they were all excited and a bunch of the Japanese generals and decision makers was like let's go on to America but they didn't come to America. You know why? They say, well, one of their generals said, no, every American is armed. <laughs> they all got guns. And there's a story. You can read it. It's legit. It's told by the, the Japanese that in the end they changed their mind. They said, no, Ameri-, they feared us enough not to come on our land. But what feared them? Do you really think our guns did it? Or do you think it was our God? I think it was our God. And friends, listen, today we could make the same mistake Israel made. The same mistake even David made, the greatest king warrior, the greatest military leader in the history of Israel, lost the favor of God in battle because of bad decisions and putting his hope and his trust in the wrong thing. You see... Look at what it says when you get to verse 9. In verse 7 and 8. But you have saved us from our enemies. Praise God. We can say that. And have put to shame those who hate us. In God we boast all day long. And we praise your name forever, Shelah. But, verse 9, but. A lot of times them buts are good. But this is a bad one. But you have cast us off and put us to shame. And you do not go out with our armies anymore. That's Israel. That's David. You make us turn back from the enemy. And those who hate us take spoil from themselves from us. You have given us up like sheep intended for food. And have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for the next to nothing. And are not enriched by selling them. You make us approach. A reproach to our neighbors. A scorn and a derision to those all around us. You make us a byword among the nations. A shaking of a head among the peoples. How many of you have seen America uh, today? A lot of us who believe like us and love America, the America we love, we're just shaking our head about what's going on. Amen? If you don't shake your head, watch Fox. It'll make you shake your head. <laughs> look at the news. Be a real, look at what's going on in our cities. Man, you go to, you go to Shreveport right now, you could be shot pumping gas. You could be killed coming out of Walmart. It's, it's happening every day. 
in the land of the free. He says, you make a, my, he says, my dishonor is continually before me. Look at verse 15. That's what this man of God, who God's using to pen this psalm. My dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me. Because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us. But look at what he said. But we have not forgotten you. We ain't forgot you, God. I don't know about y'all today, but our hope is not in an army. It's not in a politician. It's not in an election. It's not in America. Although America is still great compared to many other places, America is not as great as she used to be. And America is vulnerable. America is vulnerable not only because of this condition of our leaders and the condition of the hearts of our people. America is vulnerable because of where we stand with God. What we threw away. With all that God gave us, he was our Lord. We have walked away from it. Shook our nose and thumbed our nose at him and said, Lord, we don't want you to give our counsel anymore. We want to be our own counsel. We want to make our own plans. We want to do it our way. Yeah, your words are true. And yes, you are, you are true and righteous, but we don't want that no more. We want to do it our way. Anytime a man, a couple, a, a husband and wife, a family, a church decide to do it their way, they are on their own. And I fear today, guys, that America, in many cases, are on our own. You say, I don't believe that would happen to you. How many of you remember David? David was the greatest warrior. He fought his whole life. He was coming to the end of his life. No king was ever blessed like David. No king had more victories. No king was more feared and respected and honored and wouldn't have been messed with than David. But at the very twilight, at the very end of his, his reign as king, David, who trusted God so much that he stood against Goliath with a rock <laughs> and said, you defy the armies of God, the armies of Israel, I come against you. And today I'll cut your head off <laughs> because you fight against what? Not me, not this rock, but against the God of Israel. And he he, he killed Goliath and he caused all the armies to rise and run them down. And great victory was given. But never ever did David think he did it. He knew God did it. But when he got older, he had many armies and many mighty men. And God had blessed him with people who were loyal to him, who were great men of God. And if you want to turn with me here, you can. But it's, it, it, it's, it's, it ends up at the end of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, the last Chapter, chapter 20, the second to last chapter. No, the last chapter. Second to last chapter will start. And when you get to chapter 23, the Bible gives you a list of God's, of David's mighty men, the leaders of his mighty army. And look at what it says in verse 8 of chapter 23. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. You see, if you're not careful when you've had mighty armies and You've had mighty victories for years and years and years before long. That's what you can trust. That's what you can put your hope in. That's what you can begin to wait on to deliver you, to fight for you, to save you. That's exactly what happened to David. But look at these men. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshep, the 
Monite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. 800 men at one time, and I don't think he had an Uzi, an AR-15, or a hand grenade. He did it by hand. He said, how do you know that? Look at this next dude. Verse 9, and after him was Eliezer, the son of Dudu, Dodo, the, the Ahohite. These names will make anybody struggle, so praise God, Lord, I'm humble enough to admit it. One of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. Notice the men of Israel, the army of God's retreated. The Philistines are attacking. But he arose, verse 10, and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. What a man of God. Do you think one man gave him the victory? Look at what it says. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the people returned after him, not to fight, but to plunder. God gave him that victory with one man who killed 800 men in one fight. Another one killed so many that his hand stuck to the sword. That he was so weary he couldn't let go of his sword. He goes on and says, and after him was Shemah. The son of Agi, the Harahite, the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and he killed all the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. And friends, listen, David had men that was so courageous, that were so valiant. That David one day was remembering his boyhood home, Bethlehem, that was under siege and controlled by the Philistines. And he says right here, he says, David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines. And David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He said, oh, as a young boy, as a young lad, I used to drink from that spring. It says, So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to King David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. That was respect. That was honor. His men, I'm telling you, friends, you got men like that, you ought to be able to whoop anybody. Amen? You ought not be worried about if someone's going to get you. These men will die for you. They'll go die to get a drink of water for you from your childhood spring. And look at what he says right there in verse 17. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. If, is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. David said, I'm not going to dishonor you, Lord. I'm not going to dishonor these men who you gave to me, who will fight for me, who have great abilities to bear the sword for us. So, Lord, I'm not going to drink this. I'm going to pour it out. Because I want to honor you. I want to honor those who have dedicated. Look at what he, exactly what he says. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Guys, listen. When we don't honor God, we dishonor the blood of the men who went by jeopardy of their lives to give us what we have. And David said, look, I just was saying it. I didn't mean for you to go do it. And friends, the best thing we could ever do for America and for those great heroes that we're recognizing this month, this week, this day, tomorrow, Memorial Day, 
is that we would turn back to God the way we used to be. I bet you if you was to go and you could talk to those multitudes who are buried in Arlington and those who are buried in foreign cemeteries all over the world who died for us and our flag and what we stand for, they all would have said, I died for God and country. God and country. They may have not been a born again, been to the cross, but they, they honored that Lord. They reverenced, they believed the Bible, they, they gave it respect. You know, we get back to our text where we are. And look at what he says in this, this, this word. It says in verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. That's those who reverence and honor him. On those whose hope is in his mercy. To deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Guys, I believe it's going to get worse than it is. I'm not here to worry you. I'll scare you. I'm just here to tell you to prepare you that it can get worse at any time. And friends, I want you to think about this. At the end of the psalm, he's giving you all this in here. The king, no king is saved by the multitude of his army. A mighty man is not delivered by his great strength and power. A horse, a tank, a, a, a jet, a battleship is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver you by its great strength and power. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, who reverence him, who honor him. He says, deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive. Look at what he closes out with. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our protection, our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Because we have trusted in his holy name. Not a politician. Not a government. But him. And friends, today... I wonder how many people truly are trusting in the holy name of Jesus. And if you're honest, sometimes does it not break your heart? If you look at where we were and where we are now, if you look at the country, our young people don't know any difference. That's even more of a thing to break your heart. I look at where the nation has failed to in my lifetime, and there's no sign of its turning direction so it's even going to get further and further from God. And have you figured out yet, the farther you get from God, the worse off it gets. The more you leave God out, the more he leaves you to your own history. And friends, he says in that last verse, I didn't put it up there. Let your mercy, O Lord, one translation says, your unfailing love be upon us just as we hope. In you, Have you noticed in the Bible how waiting and hope are always together? Friends, I want you to listen to this song and think about this. And let this be an invitation time. Because our hope isn't in. To my knees and pray. Come, Jesus, come. Let today be the day. Sometimes I feel like I'm gonna break, but I'm holding on to a hope that won't fade. 
big of a mistake David made when the weakness of his flesh caused him to commit adultery with Bathsheba and his ungodly attempt to unwillingly repent caused him to commit murder of her husband Uriah. That was not the most costly thing he ever done for Israel. The most costly thing he done was at the end of his career, he told Joab, the commander of his army, in chapter 24, the last chapter that records his reign as king, I want you to go and take a census and count Count all the mighty men of Israel. Joab had more spiritual insight. He said, oh, king, why do you want to do that? God to give you more men, all the men you need. Why do you want to go count them? But nevertheless, it says the, the word of King David won over. And they went and took them nine months and 20 days. And they came back. And they told David, O king, this is how many men you got. Let me get the number right. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the men of the, to the king, and there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword. And the men of Judah were 500,000 men who drew the sword. And David's heart began to condemn him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant. For I've done very foolishly. You see, what David was trusting in was the number of his army. Instead of the power of his God. And I fear that the pride of America will be her downfall. Yes, we are a mighty nation. Yes, we have mighty armies. Yes, we have unbelievable resources. And yes, we have an unbelievable past. But so did David. So did Israel. God killed 70,000 Israelites in one day till David realized and repented. Guys, we can't not make it without the Lord. <laughs> Thank God for these men, valiant, mighty men, but it wasn't their sacrifice that wins our victory. It's his. What does it matter to be an American to have everything America offers and die without God. And that's what multitudes of our neighbors are doing. I always want to invite you this, this Memorial Day, whatever God's telling you to do, I would ask you to do, but never forget. Yes, we need to honor the memory of those who sacrificed their lives for us, but we never need to forget that it wasn't their sacrifice that gave us the victory. It was the one who died for us on a hill called Calvary so many years ago who was our God and is our God. I don't know what you're waiting on, but I'm waiting on Jesus. Amen. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful message. I hope and pray that we would turn to God. I fear that way too more many Americans are looking for an election 
looking for a politician and they put more effort and spend more time and give more of their attention to that than to God. If you're more focused on the news than this book, you're guilty. If you're more consumed with election than the second coming of Christ, if you're more concerned with where we are today instead of where we're going to spend eternity, you might ought to hit an altar and ask God to evaluate your heart. I love America. I'm not here to belittle it by any means. But I know that everything we have, everything we have ever will have will be by God's favor and grace. And we need to turn back to him again. Amen.